Hello, welcome to Your Courageous Journey. This is Julie Faber. And this is Julie Sickles, and we're glad you could join us today for this mind moment. Last week we had an interview and that has been our format. When we do an interview, we pull from it a principle that Julie and I will talk about and we'll also do our commentary on the interview just for those of you who might be joining us for the first time. But today's mind moment, last week we interviewed Melissa and she talked about just her journey with depression. So we really kind of wanted to talk more about depression. It's a fairly common thing that people experience and and talk about, but we don't always talk yeah. about exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. Cuz I know so, when I was growing up, I thought depression was sadness. Ah, just like a depressed mood. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of people who have depression and don't really feel sad all that much. So mm-hmm. It's true. It's true yeah. you can be very irritable as well. Yeah. There's different things so yeah we just wanted to talk more about that and to guess bring to light some things that may not have been understood and yeah what we want to talk about first is the symptoms and criteria for major depressive disorder Mm -hmm. and that is going to be very different than just having a depressed mood because depression is an actual medical illness that involves both the mind and the body so it's not just an emotion that you feel. It's not just being sad. It's something that you need to have what they say clinically significant symptoms for at least two weeks in order for it to be considered a major depressive disorder or a major depressive episode. So there are symptoms that have to be present for two weeks and those symptoms also have to be affecting your functioning in some way. So it needs to either be impacting your work situation or your relationships or you being able to do what you need to be doing every day, right? Mm -hmm. So you could have some or five of these symptoms, but maybe they're not completely impacting your work. And, you know, that's kind of where it gets tricky, right? If it's not impacting you, they don't necessarily consider it an actual depressive episode. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I know <laughs> when they diagnose you, right, there's just like a checklist that they have you, like a bunch yeah. of questions that they have you answer, right? And you have to meet like. Yeah, certain. certain yeah. yeah. And different doctors will actually use different like scales or different mm-hmm. inventories, they call them, which are different like questions that you answer. Yeah. Um. But to be diagnosed, clinicians use, we have a gigantic book. The DSM? Yes. Yeah, so the book that we use is called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And we're on version five. So it's it, been so five sh- for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it has decades. been five for a while. Probably mm-hmm. at least 10 years. Yeah. I, yeah. So shorthand, it's called the DSM-5. And the DSM-5 lists all of the mental health disorders. To meet the criteria to be diagnosed, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have a question for you, though. So when we're talking about, like, diagnostic purposes, so you as a therapist, like, you can't really diagnose, correct? Incorrect. Incorrect. You can diagnose. I can. You just cannot prescribe anything. Correct. Yes. I do not prescribe medication, but I can. Can diagnose depressive. Yes. And actually, if I'm using insurance, I am required to diagnose. 
Okay. Got you. Okay, but we want to focus more on the symptoms right now, right? We do. So let's talk about the symptoms. We have a list here. And in order to be diagnosed, you need to have five or more from this list. And there's nine. Okay. So one is a sad or depressed mood most of the day or almost every day. Yes. For the two weeks. For two weeks. So it's not just that Mm -hmm. you have moments of sadness. It's just that there's kind of this overwhelming sadness that Mm -hmm. is lasting most of the time for the two weeks. Okay. Loss of enjoyment in things that were once pleasurable. Yeah. So this is a pretty marked one that people notice. It's pretty significant. So Let's say you're someone who really is like a foodie and loves to go and eat out. Maybe when you have a depressive episode, you find that food is no longer enjoyable at all, right? Mm -hmm. When that was something that you really enjoyed before. Mm -hmm. Or it could be a hobby that you engage in, or it could be entertainment, right, that you like, where all of a sudden you're engaging in that thing, that you really like, but you're not feeling any kind of happiness or joy or pleasure from doing it. Yeah. I can relate. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that one. Yeah. The next one, major change in weight, again, or loss of more than 5% of weight within a month. Okay. Um, Loss of appetite. Yeah. It can be actual weight gain and loss, but it also can be that your appetite just really changes, right? You can completely lose your appetite or you might find that you're just really hungry all the time, right? When we eat, Mm -hmm. it can cause changes with our neurotransmitters. And so Mm -hmm. we can try to utilize eating in order to try and feel better. But they like to try and make it, you know, something that you can measure. And so they say that change of body weight of 5%, either up or down, within a month period of time is a good indicator. And then the next one is about sleep. And just Mm -hmm. like with weight or appetite changes, it's kind of the same thing with sleep. You can have either end of the spectrum when you're depressed. You can either find you're having trouble sleeping. So you're having insomnia where you're either not falling asleep or you're waking up all the time throughout the night and getting very little sleep. Mm -hmm. Or you might find that you're just tired all the time and you just want to sleep and you don't want to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Right. So I see this a lot of times with teenagers who are depressed. Mm -hmm. Their parents can't get them out of bed and get them to school. And so they'll end up coming in for therapy because parents are concerned about school. But then as we start looking at what else is going on, we find that there is a depressive episode going on. And then mm-hmm. we can use that information to get the right kind of help. Can one person go between both of those? Yeah, you could flip between them or maybe just not sleep all night and then like sleep, sleep all, all day. day. And then yeah. you don't, you're not able to work and it's messing yeah. up your relationships, right? Like, mm. yeah. yeah. Physical restlessness or a sense of being run down that others notice. Yeah. So once again, we get kind of this dichotomy, this opposites. So you Mm -hmm. maybe have this like agitation in your body where you have a hard time like settling down Mm -hmm. or maybe you're just totally run down and like lethargic and really lack energy. I think the key for this one, though, is that it has to be noticeable to other people. 
Mm -hmm. Not just an internal sense, but kind of, yeah, kind of, and also persistent for the two weeks still. Yes. Once again, we want to see that probably every day, right? It's not just a, oh, I get really slowed down every afternoon, right? Some people get that afternoon slump. Yeah, we're the three talking... o'clock nap time. <laughs> yes. So right. we're, we're not talking about the three o'clock nap time. We're talking about feeling like it's three o'clock nap time all day long mm-hmm. and having it not go away. Mm-hmm. And the next one is kind of related to that. And it is having fatigue or loss of energy mm-hmm. almost every day. So this one is more of that internal Right. The last one was either the agitation or the slowing down that other people aren't able to notice. And Mm. this is the loss of energy that you're noticing within you. Okay. And feeling worthless or excessive or inappropriate guilt. Yes. Okay. Uh, Let's give an example of inappropriate guilt. I, I see stuff like this in the movies all the time. I know sometimes there are kids who feel guilty when their mom died from childbirth with them. Yeah. Yeah. But it could be just really vague feelings of worthlessness or guilt. Like it could just be the thought, because when you're depressed, especially if you're fatigued, right? If that's Mm -hmm. how your symptoms are presenting, you don't feel like doing anything. So inappropriate guilt could just be like you saying in your head, like, I'm so lazy. Mm -hmm. I'm such a bad person. You know, I don't get anything done. Mm -hmm. When you're depressed, it's it's a physical disorder, right? Like if someone Mm -hmm. has diabetes or if they're nearsighted and they wear glasses, you're not going to say, oh, my gosh, you're so lazy. You have to put those glasses on. You're so (laughs) lazy. You have to take insulin. It's a physical disorder. Your body has changes that you can see that are both emotional and physical that are causing these problems. And so I think it's a lot of negative self-talk that just naturally goes along with depression because Mm -hmm. your mind is already slowing down. But then because depression creates a lot of dysfunction in our lives, we can be very hard on ourselves about it. Mm -hmm. The next one is decreased concentration. This is why sometimes it's hard when you talk about ADHD and depression, Mm -hmm. because there's quite a few symptoms that really do overlap a lot. Mm -hmm. And so when we're looking at depression, you'll notice that it's a concentration change from the way that you were before. If you have ADHD, that's going to be pretty consistent going back. But if you have ADHD, depression is a comorbid condition, meaning Mm -hmm. your chances of having depression or anxiety if you have ADHD are extremely high. Mm -hmm. So some of these kind of overlap and sometimes it's difficult to kind of weed out what is happening and what is not. And this one would be hard for you to maybe tell if you already have trouble with some of your focus or concentrating. Right. But it is also one of the nine. So Mm-hmm. And some people talk about it a little bit differently, like some of the other words we sometimes use are brain fog. Mm. This is one that I really, really look for because when I'm diagnosing, I'm supposed to indicate if it's a mild, moderate, or severe mm. depression. 
And this is one of the symptoms that really indicates severity to me. When I have someone coming in with these symptoms and they're severely depressed, I usually can tell just by watching them as I ask them questions. It is very hard. It feels laborious mm -hmm. for them to answer my question. Like I can see them trying to think, mm -hmm. but their responses to me are very lagging and they're very slow. Mm -hmm. And that usually indicates to me a more severe depression And I will usually refer them for medication if they're severely depressed because therapy tools are not going to be as helpful when they're mm. not able to think clearly. If you're not able right. to think, you can't use tools. Yeah, if you can't interact <laughs> like effectively. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't work. Yes. So yeah. that one is pretty important. That's one that really makes a huge difference. I mean, all of them are not good, right? We don't really love these things. But that one really helps me when I'm looking at severity level. Yeah. The next one is thoughts of death or suicide. And this is the one that really scares a lot of people, whether it's a loved yeah. one that's concerned about someone who's having suicidal thought or the person who is having depression. You know, our mind really does try to solve problems. And so especially if we've been exposed to suicidal ideas, either through personal experience with loved ones or through the media, Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, there was a surge in suicides after the show 13 Reasons Why came out. Oh, yeah. We talked about this in our episode with Melissa, right? Oh, well, if I'm not alive anymore, then I'm not going to be in pain and maybe everything will be better for everybody mm -hmm. else, which is not true. We know that depression can be treated and, you know, everyone is unique and has value. Mm -hmm. Right. And can contribute. So you don't have to be suicidal but mm -hmm. oftentimes thoughts of dying or reoccurring thoughts of dying can really come up a lot mm -hmm. in someone who is depressed mm -hmm. and some people can be suicidal and some people just think it without you know ever having any plan for suicide but that is definitely one that if It comes up, we need to get help for the person ASAP, right? Mm -hmm. We, I can't help someone if they're no longer living. So if they're having thoughts of hurting themselves and they're coming up with a plan, we need to do everything we can to keep them safe and get them the help that they need to get on the path to recovery and wellness as soon mm -hmm. as possible. And there's a hotline for suicide. Yes, 988. 988 is the suicide hotline. And I think that's really the best advice. If you're struggling with a friend or a family member and they share with you that they're having thoughts of suicide, it is always best to call that hotline and they will help you to get connected to resources. Of course, if you have a therapist, reach out to your therapist right away, ASAP. They're going to want to know and come up with a plan to help you. But another thing that you can do is take your family members directly into the emergency room too. They are fully trained and equipped to deal with mental health crises. Mm. So I would say do one of those three as soon as possible and take it really seriously right away. You know, people who are in pain, they need to know that we are going to help them. Mm -hmm. And... The last thing we'd want to have happen is for them to hurt themselves and then have to live with survivor's guilt. I mean, that really would be horrible. Mm -hmm. So most of the time, the majority of the time that people are 
thinking or talking about suicide is really related to the pain. They're not actually suicidal. They don't actually want to die. They really just want the pain to go away. So we want to be able to help them with Mm -hmm. that. Let's talk a little bit about how depression is a physical illness. And so we just went through that list of more of the actual DSM-5 criteria, but there Mm -hmm. can be a lot of other symptoms of depression and things that go along with depression that happen with our bodies that are good to know because sometimes people kind of miss some of those like even the feeling sad sometimes people are really not connected to their emotions very well yeah well i think sometimes with depression you get a lot of numbness where mm -hmm. you're not really feeling anything so yeah so you know it is a medical illness it in Involves both the mind and the body. You really can't separate the mind out from the body. Mm-hmm. So, what affects the body affects the mind, and what affects the mind affects the body. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of different treatment options, but some of the physical symptoms that people might have that might actually be related to depression could be physical aches and pains like back aches mm-hmm. or headaches, joint pain, limb pain, GI problems, you know, gut problems digestion issues, stomach hurting. You can even get like diarrhea and constipation, just issues in the gut. We actually know most of the serotonin in our body is stored in our digestive system. And so if our digestive system is out of balance, right, if there's a lot of healthy bacteria in our gut, and if that is out of whack, that can actually cause depressive problems. Mm-hmm. You know, feeling constantly tired, having a lot of sleep problems, that slowing of the physical movements or slowing of your thinking are all uh, some of those physical signs that can show up that can indicate maybe that you have depression. Okay. And there's a lot of different types of depression too, which we don't always talk about, but there's prenatal depression before birth. There's postnatal depression, which is after a baby is born. And mm-hmm. it's a fairly common issue because women's hormones are in flux. Mm-hmm. And so at six weeks, you're usually going in to have a checkup with your OB and They will usually screen you for depression at that time because it is so common for it to show up by then. And if it has shown up by then, a lot of times it will last for months. Mm. So it's a really good idea if you're struggling emotionally after you're having a baby to get it checked out. And I know that Melissa talked about her journey with depression Mm -hmm. and talked about that. There's seasonal affective disorder where some people in the winter months, especially in the northern states, We'll go through depressive episodes just Mm -hmm. during that time. There's somewhat of a link with vitamin D deficiency, which most people in the United States have. So that can kind of be helpful. There's what's called PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is a type of depression that's kind of like PMS on steroids. It's like Like, like severe PMS. Yeah. It's severe. Yes. It's more severe PMS. Because there is a connection, once again, with our bodies and our minds. And so for people who are maybe having hormonal issues or are very sensitive to hormones, it can cause things that look like depression. So Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways it can show up. There's another type of a depressive disorder called dysthymia, which is like depression, but it's more mild and it lasts longer. And so that one... 
you know, it's not quite as extreme. Like they're usually functioning a little bit better in society, but they're just kind of always flat. You know, Okay. they just don't, Yeah. just life seems gray Yeah. all the time, I think is kind of a good way to describe it. Okay. So lots of different types of depression. Now we wanted to kind of move a little bit into just a little bit of what you can do or what kind of treatment options there are. So I know a lot of people know about antidepressants. Antidepressants are especially helpful if you have severe depression. They're not always as helpful for mild and moderate depression. The research doesn't necessarily show. I would say 50% of people, uh, antidepressants help, which we're glad that they help 50% of people. But the other 50%, it's really a little bit of a challenge. So Mm-hmm. if you're depressed and you think you're going to the doctor and you're going to get on antidepressants and everything is going to be better... That may or may not be the case. You might really have to look for other treatment options in addition to that or even in substitution to that. They really show the most effectiveness if you have severe depression. So there might be other things that you want to try. There's a lot of different types of therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy has done a lot of really good research to show that long-term They're more effective at treating depression than antidepressants. When you go on antidepressants, uh, when you go off of them, you're more likely to experience a reoccurrence of depression later because it changes the balance in your brain. So cognitive behavioral therapy, when you're changing your thinking patterns, which changes your body, then you're going to be less likely to maybe have as many of those cycles, you know, on and off with the depressive episodes. Okay. But there's also been research on other things that you can do. So, you know, Julie and I were kind of talking about this earlier. When someone comes in to meet with me and they're having a depressive episode, the first thing that I do is I write a list of three things that I want them to do every day. And those three things are going to be exercise, sleep, and nutrition. So for exercise, it doesn't even have to be strenuous exercise. I usually just say go for a walk for 30 minutes every day outside to try and help get more vitamin D. So it doesn't have to be like aerobic exercise where you're really elevating your heart rate. Even walking shows um, improvement. Okay. Uh, we need to be getting the appropriate amount of sleep. Usually that means around, on average, eight hours, mm-hmm. which can be tricky when you're depressed. So I usually will work with people to help them create uh, positive sleep associations and get into good sleep routines to improve mm-hmm. sleep. And then the last one is diet. We There's such a connection between what we eat and put into our body and how we feel. So it's Yes, really true. important to be giving our body and our mind the fuel that it needs to function correctly. And we don't always get everything that we need. So I usually recommend that people are at a minimum taking a multivitamin. But I usually, when people are depressed, will send them directly to their doctor to get a blood Yeah, test. that's what I was just going to say. It's a really good idea to get your doctor involved. Yes. And to Yeah. check things like thyroid, your vitamin D levels, your vitamin B levels, those are all things that if we're 
Is it magnesium too? Isn't that something that can help depression or something like Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. The research shows even better with uh, anxiety and magnesium. 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 Okay. Yeah. But definitely magnesium is another one of those that we in America do not get enough of. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that I've ever had my magnesium levels checked, but I take a lot of magnesium in addition to my multivitamins every day. Mm -hmm. And I think I still need more. Sometimes I get... I get these eye twitches mm-hmm. <laughs> and that can be a sign of not having enough magnesium. So, well, and it seems too like if you're having some hormonal problems, right, that uh, a blood test would be able to. Yes. Well, I mean, you're getting into a whole, I could talk on hormones for an <laughs> moment. <laughs> We're not going to get into that right now. But We're not going to get into that. I'm going to, this is what I have to say about that. Work yeah. with a doctor who knows exactly. somewhat what they're doing. Yeah. Hormone issues doctor. are very tricky. For females, because our hormones are shifting and changing every day. So a blood test does not give a good picture of really yeah. what's going on. Yeah, There is certain information that they can gather from it. But if you're having mm-hmm. hormonal issues related to depression, look for a really good doctor. Ask around because yeah. it's not something that just one generic blood test is going to help with. Right. Yeah. You need a yeah. doctor. <laughs> you need, and, and you, you might you need even a need a specialist. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. I know I personally would like to try and talk to a nutritionist, work with a nutritionist. Yeah. I know I, I, I know there are things that are completely out of whack with me right now. So yes. getting there. Yeah. So. There's a really big connection between food, nutrition, our body and mental health mm-hmm. that is just not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. There's a book called It Starts With Food, and mm, I heard a yeah. saying when I uh, was first exposed to the book that food is medicine. Mm-hmm. I like that, and I think it's true. Yeah, it is. So when it But comes it can to... also be poison, too. So Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It can be medicine or it can be poison. So what are really paying attention to what we're putting into our body? And I recognize that those three things are definitely easier said than done, especially when you are feeling depressed. Mm -hmm. So I really encourage people to, when they're depressed, to reach out and build a good support system Mm -hmm. because that can really, really help. So those are kind of my go-to, do-it-yourself things that I recommend people do. And I usually let people know that they will need to do them consistently for two weeks before they notice a change with their depression. But I've only ever had one client that did those things consistently for two weeks and didn't notice a change. Most people will notice a significant change and improvement in their mood if they do those three things. Those three things, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's not the end-all, be-all, right? There's a lot of causes of depression. You know, I know we've talked about trauma on here a lot, but trauma can definitely lead to depression, too. There can be physical health issues that we don't even know about that can be causing depression. So it's not always, like I said, I I did have someone who it didn't help them. And I think there were other underlying factors that were contributing Mm -hmm. to what was going on. So we want to have a quick fix. It would be really nice if we could just take a pill and feel better. But because it's like a puzzle, we have to find what those individual pieces are are for us in order for us to feel better. And my puzzle is going to be different than someone else's puzzle. Right. Very true. 
Yes. So, and there's some pretty cool new treatments for depression too that they're finding some success with. There's a newer treatment. There's a lot of good research being done on ketamine therapy. I would recommend doing ketamine-assisted psychotherapy where you actually have a therapist there and available to help you throughout the process. You will get more out of your ketamine therapy. Ketamine therapy is very expensive. It's not usually covered by insurance yet. And so if you're going to do it, I would do it in conjunction with a therapist that can help you process the experiences that you're having. Mm-hmm. I have known people who it's been very helpful for. I've known people who have had a very bad experience with it. I've known people who um, they had a good experience with it, but they didn't know how to make sense of it. And they felt like the positive effect of it wore off. I think in all three of those situations, a therapist would only benefit and help because it is different. Can we talk real quick about what ketamine is exactly? Because I think there might be some people who don't know. Ketamine is a drug that is an anesthetic and it can cause dissociative symptoms. And so a lot of times when it's used, it can create kind of a psychedelic or hallucinogenic effect. Okay. And what they found is having kind of that ability to kind of disconnect from reality can help the brain reprocess things and build new neural pathways and new neural connections. Okay. And so it's kind of in the beginning stages of research, but the research that's coming out about it, it can have a significant impact on especially depression and can help with having some pretty big significant changes pretty quickly. But it is a hallucinogenic. It is a psychedelic. It is very trippy and it can be really scary too. And especially if you have, you know, a pretty severe trauma history, you need to be Okay. A little cautious and make sure you're doing it in a way that's going to feel safe, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it so, makes sense. But I think it's really promising. And there's other types of treatments, too. I know there's like a type of magnet treatment that they're doing and so forth. I know that some people with depression have tried electroconvulsive therapy. That one comes with a lot more side effects. Feels a bit extreme to me. (laughs) It does. People who are really suffering or who are very suicidal, sometimes it is recommended for them, right? Maybe it's better to have some memory issues, but want to be alive. But it does come with some pretty extreme side effects, especially memory. It can really, really affect memory. So it's not by any means a first line of defense. It's something that... You'd it really seems want like to be the cautious about. Yeah, it seems like the first step seems to be more trying to balance exercise, nutrition, sleep, those things, those three. And I think you just kind of go from there. If those things don't work, then yeah. you move yeah, up the well, list and, or whatever. But. And really learning how to utilize your mind because we can use our mind to change our body. We can use our mind to change our DNA. There are studies that show that therapy can change. Our DNA in the way that our body. That's kind of wild. So it is. (laughs) It's amazing. So, you know, therapy isn't just some mysterious thing that we do that somehow sometimes helps some people. There's a lot of research now. There's been a big movement the last 20 years, I would 
say, talking about evidence-based treatment, there's a lot of research that shows exactly how it helps and what types of therapy help with what Mm -hmm. specific issues. So it's definitely a field that's always growing too. So I would say if you are experiencing depression, find a therapist. Yeah. I think the majority of therapists, they know a lot of things that could really help with depression. We'll probably be talking about depression again in the future. I am guessing we'll have other guests on and we can give more tips and tricks then. Yeah. I think this is a good point to wrap up, but um, just wanted to thank you listeners again. We really appreciate you and we love you all. And please reach out to us. And if you have questions or anything, you can reach us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And also you can email us at ycjpodcast at gmail.com. And we hope to have you back for our next episode. Bye. Bye.